1: It's the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night. About it. a real C's fan wouldn't wanna live their life without it.
0: Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East, and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell the other guys to go and plan a vacation.
1: Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on, trying to get the 18th ring. The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear. Well-respected in a city, like Russell's career. It's Rain and J. Millie. Welcome back.
0: This is the Lockdown Celtics podcast. I want to thank you for making this part of your daily routine. We're here for you Monday through Friday. I am John Corrales of the Rain and Jays here for a solo pod. Getting you started on this Monday, I want to thank you all again for joining us, all you new listeners. Thank you for sampling us. Every once in a while, this is going to happen. It's going to be just me. And hopefully you enjoy the show. Hopefully you enjoyed it enough to subscribe. Download the new Himalaya podcast app. Go ahead and subscribe through that. It'll also curate your podcast feed based on your preferences. So it's really going to help you out and help you discover new podcasts. So go ahead and do that. Also, you regular listeners, please give us that five-star rating and a good review. It's very much appreciated. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Celtics coaching staff. Uh, One of their targets for the Micah Shrewsbury departure also went to a different team. So we'll talk about maybe a couple of the, the different options, what the Celtics should do with their open assistant spot there. And then we'll get into the... New Orleans Pelicans situation and what the other options the Celtics might have should Anthony Davis not come to Boston. Why don't we start with the first part of that? So the New England, the New Orleans, the New England Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans today on Sunday, I should say hired Trajan Langdon. The former Duke Blue Devil, the Alaskan assassin who had been serving as the Brooklyn assistant general manager. They hired him to be their general manager. So David Griffin, the former Cleveland general manager, got the executive vice president of basketball operations job. And he's got Trajan Langdon in... I don't know exactly what the role is going to be. It's going to be, I think, similar to some of the assistant GM stuff, but it's a a promotion, at least in title, and I'm sure it's going to be more money. He is a GM in the NBA. He'll be working alongside David Griffin. And I don't know when it comes to negotiating with the Pelicans who Danny Ainge will be talking to. I assume both. Um, But however that dynamic works out, the front office of the New Orleans Pelicans is being remade. And the question coming out of New Orleans is how much are they trying to convince Anthony Davis to actually stay? So David Griffin comes in, and he's remade the entire front office. He's remade a lot of the things that have bothered Anthony Davis. They still have him under contract for a year. They've hired a new head trainer, Aaron Nelson, who came over from the Phoenix suns, uh, a guy who Grant Hill thanked in his hall of fame speech, Steve Nash, Shaquille O'Neal, all of these star older stars really have great things to say about Aaron Nelson and his training staff. The Phoenix Suns training staff is notorious for like being miraculous even in how they handle their athletes. So that's a big deal. I don't know if any of you really realize how much that impacts what the Pelicans are, are doing. They shared a training staff with the New Orleans Saints. And they shared the practice facility grounds with the New Orleans Saints. That franchise... The the ownership owns both teams. Obviously, the priority has been on the Saints forever, and the Pelicans were just kind of there, and they really wasted a lot of a lot of good years from Anthony Davis. Uh, the The injuries that have surrounded the Pelicans may have been unavoidable. But they may also have been avoidable if the training staff had the proper time and energy that they spent with the players. Uh, basketball and football, I mean, obviously they're different sports, different training methods, different focuses, different priorities. You're you're playing short bursts in football and a lot of short bursts. Basketball is much more, it's much more taxing on the joints. You're playing up and down, you're you're really running a lot. Uh the athletes are taller. I mean, all of the basketball players, like every single basketball player is taller than most football players. But you know, unless you're Isaiah Thomas. A lot of these football players are under six feet tall, except for the quarterbacks and a couple of right, wide receivers. Most of the other guys are like six maybe six one, six feet. I would say a lot of them are like five ten, five nine. So it's, it's a different body. It's a different uh, approach. It's just, everything is, is different. I mean, there's a lot of it that's similar. Obviously, you're lifting weights, and you're, but your goals, the, the types of movements that you're doing, especially with today's advanced kinesiology and all that crazy, there, there's a lot of different motions and movements and, and the ways you lift and how you lift and how much weight you lift A lot of different things, from training a basketball player and the recovery and the parts of the body you got to focus on, versus a free safety versus a you know linebacker. I mean, you're you're dealing with completely different people, and it's not to say that an athletic trainer from one sport can't work in the other, but you have to have a focus. So, getting these guys their own training staff, a basketball-minded trainer, is a big deal for them. Um, the The message just by Griffin going out and upgrading the practice facility and getting him that guy and, and getting the the front office in order on top of what we have already talked about last week, which was getting Zion Williamson. I don't know how much of this is really going to be part of a pitch to Anthony Davis. Uh, They are probably going to put that five-year, $240 million offer in front of Anthony Davis and tell him, say, look, you've got time here. You're still in your prime. We're getting this transformative player part two a guy that could play extraordinarily well alongside you. We're going to keep you healthy. We're going to keep Drew Holiday healthy. We've got Zion coming in. We're going to keep him healthy. You guys are going to play well together. He needs veteran leadership. You need a, a, another, you need more help. It works. And here's $240 million right in front of you. Are you really going to turn this down? it feels like new orleans is making a play however because it feels like new orleans is making a play it it may be a ruse and the signal that they're sending out to have people like me react and say huh maybe maybe they really are setting up to keep this guy is that's their leverage That's their way of telling the Celtics, the Knicks, the Lakers that you can't come cheap. You can't come in and hold out one of your assets. Boston, you can't come in and say either Tatum or Brown. We want both. If you're going to get Anthony Davis, we want both those guys. And if if you don't come with that kind of offer, then fine. We'll go into the summer because they know that – Boston needs to know by the draft, really. They know that Boston has a deadline with Kyrie Irving. Like, Boston needs to get this thing done soon because getting Anthony Davis is what keeps Kyrie Irving if the reporting is correct. And knowing that you're going to get Anthony Davis is what you are selling Kyrie Irving on. So, some point in the next few weeks, whenever Kyrie comes back off of vacation or whatever, they sit down and have a conversation, and they say, Hey, Kyrie, here's here's where we are with Anthony Davis. Here are the talks. Here's the deal. If we do this, will you stay? And he says yes or no. And if he says yes, then the the, the Celtics are going to make a deal to keep Kyrie. They need to do this all, but they need to do it now. and Or not now, but like by the draft, really certainly by July 1st or June 30th, but whatever the, the new moratorium end is, they need to have a deal, a structure, something in place that tells Kyrie Irving, yes, he's coming. So the Pelicans, by sending the signal out saying, yeah, well, look, we've we've got these trainers, we've got all this stuff. We're happy to throw this offer in front of Anthony Davis and, See what he does. Let him chew on it for the summer. We're in no hurry. There is, and I've mentioned this before, there is a little bit of a deadline. Boston's counter would be like, the longer you hold on to him, the less leverage you have because we need to make sure that he's going to be around long enough that we can convince him to re-sign. And so the closer they get to the trade deadline, the more likely it is that the offers tend to wither. So there's a, there's a little pendulum swing that could happen. And it's all about calling bluffs and figuring out what's, how much of this is really real. But the Pelicans will certainly exert a lot of pressure on the Celtics. Especially the Celtics. Because the Knicks, they've got those players in place. They can make the deal. They can wait. They don't care. That's fine. The, the Lakers, they can wait. There's no rush. They can, they can go into July. They can go into August. There's no rush for them. Celtics, there's a rush because they've got Kyrie Irving and his, and his free agency. So all of this puts a ton of pressure on Boston more than any other team. The other teams can sit back and just kind of chill. But if this is a ruse, and I think it may be a little bit of both, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the Celtics. If they're going to get this deal done, and if the Pelicans are going to say, we're, we're willing to wait and see how this summer plays out and, and convince Anthony Davis to at least start the season. And give us until that mid-December deadline where all the free agents who signed can start to get traded. If you don't like November and December, Playing with Zion Williamson. If you don't like this, then Merry Christmas. Our Christmas gift to you will be giving you the trade. Give us these two months, and then we'll give you the trade if you don't like it. And then who knows what happens? Once you get on the floor, you get the crowd, people, they, they've sold more tickets than ever. They sold more tickets after the Zion Williamson, uh, the, the, the draft lottery, than they did when they got Anthony Davis. There is excitement in new Orleans. So going into that arena. So let's start from the beginning. You've got a competent front office. You've got the coaching staff in there that, that really has done well to hold things together. You've got the training staff that you can work with. You've got Zion, you got all this stuff in a couple of months. If you come out and have a good couple of months, he might be like, yeah, you know what? I I do like this. This is actually going to be a lot of fun. And who knows what happens? So all of this is to say that I still hold the same opinion that it's better for them to trade Anthony Davis and just go for the rebuild and not not subject Davis to any sort of negativity and why did you wear the that's all folks shirt and all that stuff. But if the pressure is there, if Danny Ainge has some belief that Kyrie's going to walk if he doesn't make this trade and he has some belief... That the Pelicans are going to wait, are not willing to wait, then his trade package will have to be if he's if he really wants to pull his trade, it'll have to be Tatum and Brown and Smart and the Memphis pick and the fourteenth pick and who knows what else. It's I mean that deal alone I think works, but. Um, it's going to have to be all those things. It's going to have to be all those things. And then, so you're you're rolling with Kyrie and Davis, and you're hoping Hayward comes back and does regain some of his all-star form after that summer. Uh, you've got, obviously, uh, you would try to re-sign MOOC. Um, then you, I don't know, you use your taxpayer mid-level $5.7 million to get one of these free agent backup point guards that that would be on the market and see who you can get for that kind of money. And you just kind of roll from there. It's interesting. And I'm sure there are going to be a lot of twists and turns. But all of this stuff that's going on in New Orleans is really going to exert some pressure. I'm going to take a break. And then when we come back, what if they don't deal Anthony Davis? What happens then? We'll talk about it after the break
1: here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Let the Locked On NBA Network of Podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan,
0: rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the
1: best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It has been assumed that Anthony Davis is coming to Boston for so long that for it to not happen would just, I don't know, it'd be kind of a, a shock. I can see it lining up though that it may not happen. Uh, obviously, a lot of things have changed, and whether it happens or not, we don't know. But Danny Ainge has to, the, the Celtics front office has to go for a plan B, plan C, plan D. What happens if Griffin and Langdon say, "Nah, you know what? We're not happy with your deal." What happens if Danny Ainge says, "This is my price for Anthony Davis, and I'm not including both Tatum and Brown." I don't, I don't know if he's going to say that. But he might, and if he does, and they say, "Okay, fine, see ya," we're going to take the third pick and the Knicks package and or the fourth pick and the Lakers package, Um, then what now I wrote on MassLive.com that I'm, I'm in on going after Bradley Beal. That's not a guarantee at all. He's not even, they don't even have a GM right now in Washington. Like they, they don't even have anybody to really talk to. They have people that Danny Ainge can call, but that nobody that's going to be willing to make any sort of decision there, it's almost not worth it. You're trying to build a relationship as a general manager with the other general manager, the other person in charge. There's That person who's supposed to be in charge isn't there yet. So there's a, a bit of a delay, and, and who knows what that new person is going to be looking at. What mandate's going to come down from the top in Washington? What's Ted Leonsis going to tell that person? Is that person going to come in and have the full opportunity, the full free reign to say, you get to do whatever you want, and I'm on board with any sort of plan? Or does that person come in and have Leonsis say, Look, we got to fight. We got to fight for that eighth seed. We got to fight for that seventh seed. We need playoffs in Washington now. Forget anything else. We need playoffs. It, that depends. If he says we need to be competitive, then there's no Bradley Beal. Like that, forget it. So, if they do trade for Bradley Beal, what are they going to be looking for? There are there are ways to get it done. I mean, Bradley Beal. First of all, makes twenty seven million. Um, that's something that the Celtics can match. Uh, they could, depending on how they go. Like, does it is Kyrie part of the? T- is he a Celtic? Regardless, the thing about Kyrie is he could leave and and take a four year one hundred thirty nine million dollar deal, or he could stay and get five years one eighty eight, and that's that's a big difference. I mean, fifty million dollars is fifty million dollars. And Kyrie is not just going to take that lightly, especially if you go to New York. The, New York is also very highly taxed, so your 139 gets a, a big bite out of it. You pay federal, state, and city taxes in New York. So you got to pay, if you, even if you don't live there, he's going to be working in New York City. So he will be hit with a city tax on top of it. So trust me, I used to work in New York City watching how much money came out of my, my paycheck, that hurts. Um, so if, if his accounting people look at that and say, hey, you're really not going to be making that 139. I mean, that these numbers are really fake anyway because usually less than half uh, of whatever you see, by the time you get through taxes and uh, agent the agent's cut, the 4%, whatever it is, and in all the other stuff, the jock taxes, I don't know if you guys know what the jock tax is. I might have said this before on the podcast, but when the Celtics go to Indiana and play the Pacers, well, they get hit with a jock tax. They have to pay a tax to uh, Indiana, the city of Indianapolis. So that, that happens everywhere. So by the time you get through all of this, the, the take home, and nobody's crying for these guys, but the take home on a $200 million contract is like $90 million. And yay! Congratulations, you get to take home ninety million. But at the same time, it's still not the two hundred million. You sit there and say he made two hundred million dollars. He didn't really. The the one eighty eight is not going to be one eighty eight. It's going to be more like uh like eighty something million. And but now that makes the the difference in what you take home a lot more significant because the 80 some odd million that he ends up taking home round you know rough roughly versus you know the 139 well that's 60 something million it could be even less could be something closer to 60 million now you're talking about a difference of 20 something million dollars almost 30 million dollars at that range I mean that that makes that's significant that's a big chunk of money so I'm not just going to throw out like oh if Anthony Davis comes Kyrie's out and he's going to New York City that that's different man that that's a it's not a guarantee he, that extra money in Massachusetts is is a big big deal so he may stay uh if he stays does Bradley Beal make sense to go after him unless they they do something like they'll take Bradley Beal and Jan Mahimi and they throw Gordon Hayward in that offer and they send Hayward and Jalen Brown. And now instead of Kyrie and Hayward, you're doing Kyrie and Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum is your wing with Horford. And I don't know, I don't know if smart's involved in that deal or whatever. Does Al Horford. Now, if, if, Kyrie leaves. Does Al Horford stick around? Now, there's another question. Kyrie says, I'm out. I don't care about that extra money. Al Horford says, thanks, but no thanks. I'm I'm really trying to win a championship, and now I see things starting to trend downwards. I'm not going to sit around and wait on a Tatum-Brown-led future. So maybe Al Horford leaves. Now, if they both leave the Celtics will have about $70 million in guaranteed contracts. Uh, then what do they do? Do they bring back um, Terry Rozier? And that's possible. You keep Smart, and what you have is if, if Kyrie's out and Al Horford's out and you keep Gordon Hayward now and you have a starting lineup that's something like Smart, Hayward, Brown, and Tatum, do you bring? Do you bring in? I don't think you bring in Terry Rozier in that in that scenario. Then what happens if Aaron Baines opts out? That's another one. So you start. You have at that point seventy million dollars. The cap is going to be somewhere around a hundred nine million. So you have the ability if you're not signing MOOC, you you can. You can renounce him. If you're not signing uh, Terry Rozier, you can renounce him. If Baines is gone, you can renounce him. All these cap holds come off. Daniel Tice, if he sticks around, I don't know if they're going to throw money at him. That could be a guy that they they pay a little bit of money to if he even wants to stick around. Does he go back to Germany? I've heard the rumblings there on, on other podcasts that say that he, he might be looking to go back to Germany. Uh I would say they they probably try to throw him a fair offer. Uh if he if all this other stuff happens and all those other guys leave, having Tice come back and getting a, a bunch more minutes might make more sense. Uh in that scenario they they could, if they let Tice go, and they let all these other guys go, they could make a play at a Kemba Walker and see if he's interested in being the, I guess, I don't know, face of the franchise and you, you do like Kemba and and uh, Gordon and, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know if you're starting Robert Williams or, I heard Kevin Arnovitz talking about centers and saying the center's a mercenary position now in the NBA. He was talking about on the Low Post podcast. This is interesting. You don't pay big money to a center. You you can get a mercenary type whoever it is to come in and make a little bit of money for a couple of years and then if the the minute he wants to get paid go to the next one because in today's NBA you don't need a big high-paid center. So whatever the Celtics do center-wise, I mean maybe maybe that's where they would spend an exception or something. I don't know. A lot of talking here about this. The options are not great is basically what I'm saying. So to recap this segment here, you've got the possibility of a Bradley Beal, but they they don't have their GM. Do they even want to trade him? There's a big debate there. If they do, then what does that deal look like? I would say you'd probably want to pair Tatum and his, and his friend Bradley Beal. They may insist on Tatum, in which case, sorry, you know, you keep Jalen Brown. That's not a you wouldn't obviously give up both for Bradley Beal, but we'll see how that goes. Um, I if that doesn't pan out, there's no there's nobody else. There's just no other star player for them to go trade for. The problem with the Celtics, and 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 my last point here about the trades is they're not set up to trade for a middle of the road guy. Like a thought popped into my head about trying to trade for Jay Crowder because he would bring some toughness back to the bench. Well, Jay Crowder makes $7.3 million, which is fine. It's not a a ton of money in today's NBA. But they don't have the salary to trade for a guy like that. They have the top three guys in Kyrie, Horford, and Hayward, okay? Marcus Smart's making $12.5 million. He's, He's got that contract that, as much as I hate to see him leave... That's the guy that, that makes these, these superstar trades possible because his 12.5 with the combination of these other things, Tatum and Brown, that equals your superstar contract. Well, Tatum next year makes $7.8 million. So he and Jay Crowder are basically almost making the same money. You're not trading Jason Tatum for Jay Crowder. Um, so the next thing you can do is Yabu, Robert Williams... Um, Shimiojale's non-guaranteed contract, you can throw those together to match financially, but Utah doesn't want that. I mean, maybe Robert Williams would be int- in intriguing to them, but they don't want that. You'd have to throw like the Memphis pick in for them to even consider it. And you don't want to trade the Memphis pick for Jay Crowder. That's my point. Trading for another mid-tier guy it doesn't I don't see it. Maybe maybe somebody can give me other information. I don't see it. There's just it's not really possible right now the way the Celtics are set up. They're set up to either make a trade for a big star, or nothing. So that's why it's either Anthony Davis or Bradley Beal. Plan B. After Plan B, it, the lock gets a little hazy. It, lot gets hazy there. If Kyrie's in or out, if Al Horford's in or out, if both of those guys are out, then your the youth track kicks in. Celtics take a step back in their immediate uh, how how much of a contender they are immediately, and you just hope that Tatum and Brown become what we expect them to become. You need Tatum to start taking that leap in the third year. He's going to get a lot of touches. Hayward is going to be your main guy. He's going to be your star player. You need him to be the all-star level Gordon Hayward. Uh, you need Jalen Brown to take that next step. Jalen Brown would be going into his restricted free agency year. After next season, a summer, a year from now, the summer of 2020, is Jalen Brown's restricted free agency. So he's going to have to have a big year, and he's probably going to want to have a big year because he's got a contract. How big of a contract does he get? How much does he earn? Lots to consider there. So the non-Anthony Davis scenarios are, are wild. If Kyrie stays and Al Horford stays and and what they'll hope is that Gordon Hayward is going to become the all-star that that he, we hope and you're just going to have to figure out bench and say who comes off the bench and who does you go back to Hayward off the bench Hayward and Brown off the bench and just roll it back and say this is how we're going to do it and it and from the beginning like you know these are your roles and and just go with it I don't know that it would be hard for me to like Gordon Hayward if he comes back and is is any kind of an all-star level it's gonna be hard for me to say this is a guy that's gonna have to come off the bench Jalen Brown playing the way he was playing at the end of the season it's gonna be hard to say you're coming off the bench Uh, but at the same time they played their best when they were coming off the bench next year is gonna be a whole different thing but It's tough to really look at these options and figure out what the Celtics are going to do if Anthony Davis does not come to Boston because there's so many moving parts. I hope I explained all of these different things well enough for you to understand how crazy and chaotic these options are going to get and how wild this summer can be. The Celtics could theoretically have $30 million to spend if if everybody leaves. Um... And then we'll see what kind of players they are in that free agency. They could have no money to spend. It's so many variables depending. And it all hinges on Kyrie and Al and and all of these other things that I was talking about. Okay, taking a break. Lots of talking. (laughs) We're going to rein it all in and come back after the break to discuss the coaching situation. What I think needs to happen with the coaching situation. We'll do that. Right after these messages, here on the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. Micah Shrewsbury left and went back to Purdue. That was where he coached prior to coming to Boston uh, as an assistant for Brad Stevens. He was he's a Purdue alum, and so that opens up a position on the Celtics bench, and it's important because Brad Stevens had said, you know, he talked about you know he did a bad job or whatever. There there are things that Brad Stevens could have could have done differently, and I think the right assistant coach could be the right type of um, the right type of help for a guy like Brad Stevens, who is now. I mean, we we still think of him as a college guy. He's an NBA guy now, but. He's still, he's still learning. There are still things that he's learning. Now, he did interview J.B. Bickerstaff, but Bickerstaff went to Cleveland. So he's out of the mix. The next thing, the next person that the Celtics are, are going to look at, I don't know. There's nothing reported. But my feeling, what I would like to see is – I'd like to see a former NBA player on the bench. Somebody that can relate to these guys. Now, there are other names out there. uh, Not sure. Like the Houston Rockets let Jeff uh, Bizdelic go. Now, he's seen as a defensive, uh, just a defensive guru and uh, a guy that that's what Shrewsbury had been handling. So, Bizdelic is a guy that has been toying with retirement, and I think part of the reason they let him go in Houston was because he wasn't very committal about going back there. I don't know if this is something where just he's kind of done with this life or if he just wanted a change of scenery for some reason. If that's the case, if the latter is the case, then I would sure as hell put the feelers out to see if you can get him in. Because he's got a, um, he's got an impressive resume, and he's been around the league for a while, and and he knows what he's doing defensively. So if that's not the case, I really would like to look at a former NBA player. I, I don't know who that might be. <laughs> it Could be Kendrick Perkins, who has really put himself out there. Who has been extremely online, uh, which I don't know if that helps or hurts his cause, but. He's a guy that at least pops into my head as the type of assistant coach that I would hope for Brad Stevens. A guy that knows how locker rooms work from a player perspective. A tough minded guy that, when, and I mentioned this in the last podcast, when you have like good cop, bad cop type of thing, like he could be the bad cop. He's the guy that goes in there and understands the grind he understands the work that's being put into it he knows from a player's perspective how much they 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 work how hard they work the other pressures that are on them the the money pressures the family pressures the whatever like he, the fan pressures like all of that stuff he's a guy that gets that uh, you might look at other players maybe guys who have had maybe some higher profiles but somebody in that in that range like a Sam Cassell type even i think would be a James Posey would be a good option and they both have jobs so you'd have to lure them away from those jobs but those types of players i just think considering the issues that Brad Stevens had with the team last season to have a, a player on that side go in and and talk to players like a player talks to a player. Like that, I think, has real, real importance. Now, I'm, I'm a fan of what Brad Stevens teaches. I believe in a lot of the things that he says. At the same time, a lot of that stuff is, is very heady, and it's easier said than done. And I think Brad Stevens really gravitates towards that because he's that type of person. He's got a lot of self-discipline. He's a guy that can follow a lot of those those mindfulness types of things, the the all the books and the, all of those strategies and all that stuff. Like he has the mindset. He's the type of personality that really buys into that stuff. What he's not like he's not like some of these younger, more, um kind of impetuous types of players, these these guys with the different pressures on them. And he said it in his last media availability after the loss in Milwaukee where he, he couldn't he had time to grow up. Brad Stevens did. He had time to get himself into this place where he has that self-discipline, where he he didn't have all of the pressures that Tatum and Brown and others have had like that. That's very real. The 20 something year old, especially early twenties, like, God, I can't imagine in my early twenties, even that little taste that I had, that tiny, tiny, tiny little taste. It's, I, I can't imagine what that's like at the NBA level. Like the Obligations are off the charts. All of the things that you need to do, the money that you're making, like just any ungodly amount of money that you're making, even on your rookie contract. I mean, like I said, Jason Tatum is going to make seven and a half million dollars next year. Like that's even whatever he clears. I mean, you clear, you got millions of dollars in your bank account. You do whatever you want, and you're 21, 22. Like that's. I, I can't imagine being 22 and having that kind of money and having everybody like, of course, last season he came in with his head, you know, swollen because if I, if my childhood hero at 22 was like, yeah, come over, let's work out. Like, I'd lose my shit. Like, are you kidding me? Like if I was 21 year old me before I'm heading over to Greece and Kevin McHale's like, yeah, come chill with me. I'd be like, oh, my God, like, yeah, my ego would fly out of control. But that's why Brad Stevens may not resonate completely with some of these guys and why I think a former player could. A guy who understands the life, who understands – Now that it's over, what's really important? That might be the most important lesson in all of this. A guy who's in his 40s, has been retired, has made his money, now goes back and tells the Tatum, the Brown, the Kyrie Irvings of the world, like, yeah, when I was your age, I thought this, this, and this. And those players will hear him and be like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And now this guy would say, well, here's what's really important. Now that I'm out of it, now it's 20 years later, I look back at my 21-year-old self, and I think, you're a goddamn idiot. Because here's why that's not really important. And he lays out the, the case. Like, that, to me, has extraordinary extraordinary value. So... I don't know who the Celtics are going to target with this open assistant position. I really, I'm really, really leaning towards uh, some sort of former player that can relate. A lot of these staffs have former players on them. Um, And it's not something that's guaranteed to make it work, but to have people on that bench that can understand a player's life through a very personal experience. It just means something. Like to have a, a former person doing what you're doing, explaining to you in your own language, in your own terms, in your own mentality, it's it's the difference between a best friend or a friend or a contemporary, a peer, saying, Oh yeah. This this is what's important versus like a parent telling you this is what's important. They might be telling you the exact same thing, but parent telling you you're like, eh, what do you know? An authority figure telling you that is eh, but a peer, a person who's been through it, got out, and now looks back and says, yeah, this is what you need to be thinking. Of. This is how, what you need to be doing. That changes. It resonates. It it breaks through the shell. So, like I said, I think a lot of the things that Brad Stevens says are are right on the money. Like, the the whole hitting singles thing, I mean, he says it so much, but it's true, makes sense. A lot of the things, being the best version of yourself and focusing on that, like, all of it makes perfect sense. The Kaizen stuff actually makes sense, but he just needs the messenger to be a little bit different. Every once in a while. So that's that's where I'm leaning with this. I don't know who that's going to be, but we'll see as they make their progression. We'll be back to talk about other stuff the rest of the week. At some point during this offseason, we may wind down. I know we keep talking about our Monday through Friday. We're here for you Monday through Friday. Uh, at some point during the offseason here, Now, there's always going to be a rumor, there's always going to be something, so when something comes up, we'll definitely be doing the five days a week. Every once in a while, we may take a day off here or there when there's no real topic, there's no real rumor, and we don't want to rehash things, so just be aware that every once in a while, that might happen. As we get closer to the draft, we'll talk about more draft stuff, we'll try to get some more draft guests on, Uh, we'll... Get as we get into free agency. Obviously, we'll keep going. Summer league, we'll all be at summer league. So we'll we'll be we'll be going pretty good for the mo- the rest of the summer. But just a heads up: every once in a while, might be a day here or there where there's just nothing to talk about. And rather than force it, we'll just let you know: hey, not really much going on today. We're gonna save it. It's just I don't know when that might be. Just something to keep in the back of your head. I know some when we don't do one, some some people are like, hey, where's the show? Trust me. Well, I want to do a show every day, but I also don't want to talk about nothing. All right. <laughs> just go ahead and subscribe. That'll be the best way to know when we do a show because it'll just come right to your phone or whatever device you use. You can download the Himalaya Podcast app. You can get us on Spotify, Stitcher, Stitcher. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, we exist everywhere podcasts exist. So go ahead and subscribe there. A five-star rating and a good written review is awesome. It helps us out a lot. And as always, share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked Podcast
1: Network. Yeah, is Packard, and Jay King. Locked on Celtics.